They're all saving one, or most of them, most of the Hampshire fielders are saving one. Somerset need one run. It's Edwards to Hildreth. He's there and bowls Hildreth, and he gets the run away through the onside, and Somerset have won. They've won the Royal London One Day Cup. Good evening, you're listening to Always Look on the Bright Side of Life, this is the Somerset Podcast. I'm Ian Shepherd, joining me this evening are Steve Tancock, Dan Kingdom and the voice of cricket on BBC Radio Somerset, Anthony Gibson. Uh, since we were last with you, we've had a win at uh, up at Bristol against the Gloucesters in T20 cricket, which as any Somerset fan will know is an event to be celebrated. Uh, a Duckworth-Lewis win over Middlesex at Taunton the night after. And then a somewhat dull draw against Leicester in the county championship on a flat pitch. Uh, deprived of Craig Overton midway through the game was called up into the England reserve emergency COVID replacement one day squad, uh, which hammered Pakistan today by nine wickets. So uh, if that doesn't say something about the strength of English cricket and its uh, white ball game, I don't know what does. But shall we start with the highlights and that uh, fantastic win against Gloucester up at uh, Bristol last, was it last Thursday? It seems like a, uh, seems like years ago now. Great performances from Devon Conway finishing 80-odd not out. Lewis Goldsworthy was unbeaten with about 39, uh, just batted really well in his slipstream. And a proper return to his best for Lewis Gregory. Steve, I know you've got a rant uh, lined up for later on, so shall we start with some good news? Uh, two words, Ian, Devon Conway. I think he's making a huge difference. I love the way he bats. I love his calmness. He's clearly really invested in Somerset cricket. Um, and he's got this wonderful habit of scoring quickly without seeming to take risks and have to play too many big shots. And I think all the younger players are gaining a huge amount of confidence and working around him. And I think, you know, please let him be around for the end of the championship season. Please let him come back whenever he can. Uh, I just, I just think it's an extraordinary signing. A few weeks ago, we were going, "Who is this Devon Conway?" Well, you know, give Jason, Andy, Hurry, and Co credit for what they found there because it's just stunning. I think you, well, not who is Devon Conway? He's obviously well known to uh, club cricketers around the, the West of England Premier League. But uh, you're absolutely right. His his rise in international cricket over the last year or so has has been meteoric. Uh, yeah. Antin, I know you've got a lot of time for Lewis Goldsworthy. Uh, he just batted well with him, didn't he? Just sort of went in his slipstream, very similar to how he did um, with Babar Azam in his first game at Glamorgan last year. But um, him and Will Smead are becoming better cricketers game by game, it seems. Yeah, I think um, I hope I hope that um, Will Smead gets picked for the championship games because I think he's um, he's just as Arguably, he's even better with the red ball than he is with the white ball. But he's been a revelation this season with with the white ball. He's put on so much extra power, um, and he really is a force to be reckoned with now. And witness being snapped up by a certain <laughs> franchise for a certain competition that we won't mention. Um, which, whatever you may think of it, is is good news for Will Smead and quite a vote of confidence in his abilities. The other thing I thought about the, the game of Bristol, I thought they, as usual, they'd chosen the wrong attack. You know, there was no Jet Leach. Why no Jet Leach on the you know, typical Bristol pitch? But actually, the bowlers bowled blooming well and set up the the, the result really. And um, no, I thought I thought it was a, a very good performance uh, all round. And it was it was good to beat the Gloucesters for the first time in six years at Bristol. 
and um, yeah, it was a good evening. Yeah, Lewis Gregory back to his best, Dan, wasn't he? Yeah, it was good to see. I mean, he obviously he showed a, that flash against Hampshire, you know, that final over um, at the death, and um, he was good against Kent, wasn't he, as well? And he sort of he's kept that going, and yeah, it was, it was his best bowling in T Twenty cricket. He just he's not bowling so many hittable balls. So early in the competition, he just felt like every ball had the potential to go for four or six. Um, but he's you know he's really tightened up um, the last few games, and you know he, he bowled well today as well for um, for England. Um, really impressed. Um, but, you know, the, the wicket he got was a beautiful delivery. So um, hopefully now I think the next step is that he needs that to feed into his batting because his batting has been disappointment this year so far in the T20. Um, and, you know, we all, we all know there's a top quality finisher in him. So hopefully, well, I suppose he might not get a chance now. It depends if he's back for those last two blast games. If not, it'll be trying, it'll be uh, doing a, doing his top finishing in the hundreds. So, sorry, the competition <laughs> we won't name. Which is a shame we'll miss out. Yeah, um, the last two blast games coincide with T Twenty internationals against Pakistan. So, yeah, how are we looking time wise? Isolation for uh, so when was it? When did they all go into isolation? Tuesday, two, three, four. So it's Friday. So it's possible that the the first the first eleven squad will be out of isolation by then. So we may get Lewis and Craig back for those. Uh, last two blast games, but it's gonna be tight. Um, I can't. Can you come straight out of isolation to play international yeah. cricket? Yes. Yes, like, yes, yes. You bloody well can. So no, we, we no you let... can. I mean, that, the the precedent's been set the other way. They've effectively gone into isolation on Monday and played on Thursday. Mm, certainly. Yeah. Let's hope they come. I asked Lewis what what had made a difference um, to his bowling. Why? Why he said. Um, he reckoned that they they'd all worked out his slower ball, so he wasn't bowling so many so many slower balls. He was mixing it up more, um, mm. and and he looked. I must say, he looked fitter and happier and healthier when I spoke to him after that game than I've seen him for a very long time. The contrast between the way he appeared then and the and after when I spoke to him after the defeat to Surrey was absolutely striking and. Which was made it even more of a disappointment that, that we were denied. Well, he could, he was injured. For, um, 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 he, we, he couldn't play against Middlesex, and then we all thought he was going to be fit to play against um, uh, in the championship match, and he was uh, against Leicestershire, and then he wasn't fit for that, and then of course snapped up by England. But um, hopefully, when he does come back, he'll 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 keep that uh, run of form going because when he's on song, he's a, he's a tremendous cricketer. Absolutely, yeah. I think it's fair to say that he's not been bowling his best this year since coming back from Pakistan. He's only just uh, beginning to rediscover that form of the ball. On to the Middlesex game then, and uh, as you just said, Anthony, Lewis injured in the warm-up, so Craig Overton took the reins for the first time ever. Um, we posted, let's see, what did we get? 152.45 for Devon Cornway, who was run out in somewhat controversial circumstances. Will Smead again, uh, Chipping in with thirty-three. It wasn't, it wasn't controversial. That it was. It was. I was commentating and I was watching the fielder, Eskinazi, and he didn't go over the rope. And if he had gone over the rope, all of the people in the Somerset stand would have said so at the time, not when Devon yeah. Conway went back to the pavilion. It looked mm. a bit dodgy. Where were you sat, Dad? It looked dodgy on the live stream. I don't know. Yeah. Where 
I was in Arthroscopic Pavilion Lower and sort of to the right, so I couldn't tell at all. But yeah, Anthony, yeah, as Anthony mentioned, it was only when they gave the run out and Conway was walking back that I suddenly noticed, hang on a minute, all the crowd are going four, four. And um, so, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I, th- I, I would trust the crowd, to be honest, when it was that many people. But, oh, but I think it is very difficult to tell. It happens in a flash and, you know, you don't really know it with one look. Mm at normal speed you know if he was touching the boundary at the same time as touching the ball so yeah it was it was frustrating um but yes yeah, it's one of those things in, on when it's not on tv you have to accept that those decisions won't necessarily be checked won't, won't go your way all the time so. it was his own fault anyway yeah, oh yeah it was <laughs> almost it was never a second there was he deserved to be run out it was you know it was just daft mm. brain fade one thing I did like about Craig's captaincy, I don't know whether this came down from the powers that be as well, but Ben Green bowled and Ben Green bowled in one over spells, which is how you need to bowl somebody like Ben Green. Uh, apart from that, Steve, what did you make of uh, Craig's first go at captaincy? Excellent. I, 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 the good thing about him captaining in the T20 is the thing I was most fearful of in the championship, that he was going to bowl himself into the ground. And, you know, even Craig can only bowl four overs in a T20 game. He's much more of the Tom Abel sort of leader than he is the James Hildreth sort of leader, which personally I like, and that's no no diss on Hildy, but I like that sort of positivity. And I think that they reacted well because it was a fantastic bowling performance. Yeah, okay, Duckworth-Lewis did us a favour, and I think another couple of overs and the result might have been the other way. But, you know, that was a bowling performance that any side would have been proud of putting in. Um and I, yeah, I like it. I like. I think Craig is actually, and I don't want to sound surprised in my voice, <laughs> but I actually think there's a there's a leader in there and a very very good cricket brain that we haven't yet seen. And that, you know, fair play to them for identifying. Let's just hope that Max Waller's cricket brain and leadership comes up equal tomorrow. Yeah, Max. If you weren't aware, Max Waller is uh, has been named as captain for uh, the game against Hampshire down at the Aegeus Bowl uh, tomorrow night, as we're recording this, or probably tonight, as you're listening to this. So the squad for that game is uh, Max Waller's captain: Aldridge, Bartlett, Brooks, Byram, Conway, Delanger, Goldsworthy, Green, Hildreth, Lamaby, Smead, and the best player in the world, Roloff Van der Merwe. No Josh Davy in that squad. I hope that's precautionary to wrap him in cotton wool for the Oval on Sunday and not a more terminal injury. Um, he was on the field for most of that uh, Leicestershire innings, not bowling because he sustained the injury uh, during a blast game where he was hit on the foot. So that solved that little mystery that was sort of puzzling us, sat down on Gimlet Hill. Let's just wrap up the T20s then. Uh, so the groups, uh, the South group at the moment, Kent are top uh, with 15 points of 11 games. Somerset sit in second with 14 from 11. Surrey in third with 13 from 12. Uh, Sussex on 13 from 11. That's the four that would currently qualify. And then Gloucester, 12 points from 11 games. Essex, 11 from 11. Glamorgan, 8 from 12. Middlesex, 7 from 11. And then Hampshire, 7 from 10. And our three remaining games are... Hampshire away tomorrow night and then Glamorgan away and fin- or next Friday and then finishing against the Gloucesters at home on the 18th of July. We should qualify. Yeah, we should. we should beat we Hampshire should. and Glamorgan. 
um, and so which would mean that the Gloucester match wouldn't matter too much because um, Hampshire and Glamorgan are effectively out of it um, and if we don't but you know we've got a weakened side so you can never tell with T20 cricket we ought to beat them but that's no guarantee that we will beat them yeah two wins out of those three should be enough I think maybe even one I think depending on other results I think one could be enough particularly considering that 16 points is usually you know if we win one more we'll, we'll be on 16 teams usually go through with 16 points but I suppose there has been more no results than usual this year so that could be a factor um, but I'm confident we can win one and yeah two should be doable considering even considering our injuries um, Hampshire and Glamorgan are quite weak and I think Gloucestershire are beatable at Taunton you know, we beat them away we can beat them at Taunton I think for sure so fairly optimistic yeah I'll agree with you there definitely op- definitely optimistic um, of reaching mm-hmm. the uh, the Blast quarterfinals Anything more to add on the uh, those T20 uh, games, guys? Before no, we... um, you mentioned Ben Green, I thought he bowled really well. He did. Well. I was impressed with him against Middlesex. He did bowl well. Yeah. Absolutely, yeah. bowled really well. Right then, I was going to just mention oh, that. Sorry, um, sorry, just one more thing. Yeah, I was going to mention Green as well. Yeah, I was really impressed uh, uh, against Gloucestershire, wasn't it? And uh, against Middlesex. Mm. Um, yeah, just just an observation on Smead. Um, Going back to what we were saying earlier, he's he's quite interesting in terms of his T20 batting because he faces quite a lot of dot balls, um, quite a lot more than the average player. Uh, but not more than Hashim Amri done. <laughs> yeah, um, but he does <laughs> find the boundary a lot. He's not really a strike rotator, but he keeps a good strike. He keeps a very high strike rate by finding the boundary regularly, and that's fine in T20 cricket. He's he's a, sort of you expect him to be a strike rotator, um, who, but. He's more of a boundary hitter with dots in yeah. between, which is which is fine. Um, it, it works. He's an interesting kind of player. It's a bit like Chris Gale in a way. Chris Gale is very very dot ball heavy, but also hits lots of fours and sixes. And uh, the Smead is sort of going the same direction. Yeah, Chris <laughs> Gale was happy to face sort of nine or ten dot balls at the start of the innings, and then just say, right, I can make it up at the end. And then the rest of the Somerset team went, well, we're not all quite as good as you, Chris. <laughs> we can't quite <laughs> afford to do that. I think in his 175, didn't he? He faced a few dots up at the start as well. Yeah, but I mean, Smead isn't necessarily dots at the start. It's just dots throughout. Mm. You know, he'll face two or three dots, but then hit a four and a six, you know, so he makes up for it. And it's, uh, yeah, it's interesting, but it's, it's absolutely fine. And as we were saying before, the complete opposite of Devon Conway, who I would imagine is probably facing yeah. less than sort of 10% dot balls. I'm not sure, but he's yeah. His style is strike rotation and yeah. fours. You know, he doesn't hit many sixes, but he hits a lot of fours. And you know, he, the other day he uh, against Gloucester, that was the second most balls faced by a Somerset batsman in a T20 innings. Um, you know, he he, he got a, he had a lot of the strike and he rotated it and uh, yeah, he did. You know, it was a perfect inning almost. We, you know, he did the chase with about three balls to spare. It was perfectly paced. Yeah, it was four balls to spare. Four balls to spare, yeah, absolutely. Which is which is a lifetime in T Twenty cricket. Yeah. Like I say, at, at, at no, it sounds strange, but it was all, you're always worried in a run chase. But I was sort of mm. worried, but not worried if you if you knew what I meant. It, 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 it was a weird one. I was sort of irrationally slightly worried, but I kept telling myself, "No, this is going to be fine. Like we're we're, we're barely, you know, we're only we're only two down. We're going to get there." Um, I kept saying on commentary. We'll be all right as long as Devon Conway stays in. Yeah, I did dread that almost. You know, if we just sort of lost a couple of wickets near the end, it might yeah. have 
mess things yeah. up a bit. Yeah. Would have been Being nervous when Conway was in. I think that was the. Uh, we were nervous about Conway getting out. I think that was yeah. uh, mm. as Anthony just said. Right, Anthony. Uh, the commentator's curse is normally defined as praising a batsman only for them to get a uh, get out to a silly shot the very next ball. We saw a different type of commentator's curse on day four of that Leicestershire game where you and poor old Richard Ray were um, cursed with trying to make uh, second 11, what is effectively the Somerset second 11 bowling attack, uh, bowling on a flat pitch against two set Leicestershire batsmen. Interesting. You did your, did your best. It was, uh, we still listen, but I, I sort of, I was messaging Dan. I said, I was trying to think of a reason to come up today and I literally just could not. Um, I know you asked Stan, uh, Andy Hurry about the pitch in your post-match interview, and he uh, he should be opening the batting because he played it back with a very very straight. Oh, bat. he did, didn't he? Yeah, <laughs> fantastic. But it was a very very safety first performance, which may have just given us enough points to guarantee promotion. But going into the later stages. If we do get into Division 1 in September, I think we need to start making some or preparing some result pitches. Yeah, yeah, it was a dreadful pitch, really. I mean, it was all right on the on the first day, um, but then it, as pitches at Taunton so often do, it just sort of gradually went to sleep. And, and by yesterday morning, um, by Wednesday morning, it was absolutely dormant in, in hibernation. The ball wasn't doing anything. I felt really, really sorry for... For the bowlers trying to flog some life out of it, and and Swindles, well, both of the batsmen, Swindles especially, I don't know, he must have played and missed thirty or forty times during the course of that innings. Uh, he's used up all of his luck for the next five years in one innings, I think. But yeah, it was it was it was hard work, and and I'd, I'd rather see um, buccaneering Somerset than safety first Somerset. I must say, I, you know, I thought we were timid in the declaration against Hampshire when we could have given ourselves a good chance to win that game without without actually taking much of a risk of losing it and I and I think they could have you know they took a lot more grass off this pitch than they had done off the previous ones and even the previous ones had tended to go to sleep um, so it was it was a pitch that was prepared for a high bonus point scoring draw and that's what we got but um, you know I think I think we're a bit better than that uh, especially as you know, we were missing Tom Abel, certainly, and, it, and as it turned out, we, we were missing Lewis Gregory. But he didn't know when he got the pitch prepared that we were going to be missing Lewis Gregory. So I thought it was, it was um, a bit overcautious, and I just hope that we don't um, suffer for, from it. Um, it doesn't come home to, uh, to bite us next week, which it might do. I think well, it's unlikely. I think the math... <clears throat> the maths are that we need five points from our game at the Oval to guarantee promotion and then to guarantee getting uh, promoted as winners of Group 2. It's various different combinations depending on whether Gloucester and Hampshire draw or Hampshire win and then how many bonus points. So we could spend the next hour discussing that, uh, all those combinations, which we will because... I, no, we won't. No, we won't. We won't. Um, <laughs> Um, but the good thing is that our destiny is in our own hands. Um, obviously, Surrey doing the most Surrey thing possible and signing Ravi Ashwin when they've got literally no hope at all of qualifying for Group 1. I think once Somerset hit two bonus points, uh, then that's them out of it. So, um, 
yeah thanks for that thanks for that Vikram and Alec um, it is weird isn't it the fact that Surrey ha- well, it's not weird it's just that Surrey ha- clearly have money to burn if they're able to sign Ravi Ashwin for one match that, that they're I mean they've got this tiny chance of going through but it's very very tiny mm-hmm. it's, it's yeah only Surrey would do that yeah it's infinitesimally small I think I've got to, yeah, the most Somerset can uh, the most Surrey can finish on is 136 points. They're currently on 112, and then you've got Somerset on 134, Gloucester on 129, and Hampshire on 123. So, um, yeah, we'd have to get no points, and then one of Gloucester or Hampshire would probably have to get no points as well, or very few points. So it's yeah, as you say, it's a very Surrey thing to do um, to try and screw Somerset, but it probably means that we'll. Um, be treated to a, a turning pitch on arrival at the Oval on Sunday morning. But it will have to be a pitch that Surrey can get 400 on. If they do intend to try and yeah. make a push to yeah. go through, they've, yeah. they've got to get 400 on near enough. So. Yeah. And it's, then not they, let us get yeah. 400. So yeah. <laughs> when you look at it again, there's almost no way that they can get maximum a maximum bonus point win without letting us get at least 250 in the first innings or yeah, I, w- I won't hear a word against Surrey after the fight they put up against Hampshire. I thought that was a fantastic performance. It they was could brilliant watching it, wasn't it? Yeah, on, this is on the basis that you've, as you've just been saying, that the the chances of qualifying for Division One were infinitesimally small, even if they did hold out for the draw. But they still batted all day to hold out yeah. for the draw. Credit and to. Uh, at the time, I in particular were calling calling into question the integrity of the whole competition. It was heartwarming to see. Yeah. Um, you know, you wouldn't expect anything else from Hashim Amla, but no, exactly. Damn the they were what eleven for three, thirty for four, yeah, or something before lunch. So even put that in that context, that's a gargantuan effort. Yeah, and what do they have? They were only seven down at the end. What were they seven or eight down? Eight down they were. Eight, they, eight, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolute mammoth. Their number, 10 was, their number 10 was Ricky Clark, who I think has got 17 first class centuries. So. It's not a bad batting lineup, is it? Yeah, yeah. Just he, he wouldn't get in above 11 in our side, though, Gibbo. So. <laughs> just a shame that it could be JV Overton uh, there to see it at the end. Um, yeah, um, just back to the Leicester game then. We started off pretty well with uh, Devon Conway and, and Steve Davis opening the batting for the second game in a row. Um, I was slightly surprised to not see Eddie Byram in the side, um, given that he got runs uh, 150 in the second 11 game the week before. Um, I was surprised to see, uh, surprised to see Tom Lambie picked ahead of him. Um, yeah, I was uh, I was planning on going up for the whole day on Sunday, but uh, my wife reminded me uh, as we woke up that uh, we had Sunday lunch at the mother-in-law's, so I was only able to get up for... Uh, um, for more or less the final session, which I was immensely looking forward to because it was about 130 for none when I got there. And I thought, well, odds are that I'll see one of these guys get 100. Uh, and then there was I precipitated a collapse. So uh, apologies, guys. And we lost about seven for 80 during uh, my uh, stint at the county crowd on Sunday evening. But I, I did bring my uh, little girl up, three-year-old uh, Layla, for a... Uh, first uh, taste of Somerset at the county ground and the highlight of her day was meeting Brian so that's going to be my incentive to get her up there uh, any time next is one is to take her in the club shop and buy her a stumpy key ring and then two is to, we're going to go around and have a look behind the uh, 
the Colin Atkinson Pavilion to see where uh, where Brian is. But uh, Brian was very well behaved when uh, when she stroked him. After that, though, I think, I think you were talking about the cat rather than the president. Uh, well, uh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not saying. Hmm. We'll say no more on that. Yeah. Um, again, though, middle order failure, and again, um, my new nickname. Yeah, Shepherd. My new nickname for Roloff Vandermeer is the Shovel, because yeah. he digs you out of the hole that you're in. We had a, that wonderful statistic. It was the first game since uh, an Australia versus Australia A game or something like that in 1908, where numbers. Uh, was it nine, uh, eight, nine, and ten? Eight, all made eight, nine, and ten. All made scores of seventy-five all, all made, or more. Seventy-five, yeah, yeah, yes. An Australian Test trial in two in nineteen hundred and eight was the only other time it's ever been done. But but the pitch had, had gone to sleep by by then, and mm -hmm. I am still very worried about our middle order batting. Mm -hmm. It's the word that keeps occurring to me is callow. You know those those young batsmen. They look callow. When, in, mm. You know when you compare them to um, Devon Conway and Stephen Davis. Um, you know um, George Bartlett, the shot he got it. Well, you can play a shot. <laughs> That's uh, worrying actually because he did that. Again, he did that to Keith Barker in his last yeah. first class innings as well. Left the straight when it was LB. And Lannanby as well. Uh, you know, I think I think honestly think they should give Will Smead a, a go uh, in. Probably at three, put Smead in at, at three, and then have Hildreth at, at four. But mm. um, it, it does worry me, you know, against a, a very experienced side like Surrey. We can't afford to have that sort of collapse against Surrey if we're going to pick up the points that we need yep. against them. Especially, you know, our, our strength has been the bowling in the last um, two, three seasons, and our bowling attacks is seriously weakened with the absence of um, Craig Overton and, and Lewis Gregory and possibly mm -hmm. Jack Leach. I don't know what the Leach situation is. Andy Hurry um, was um, unhel unhelpfully uncommunicative mm -hmm. on that. But if we haven't got Jack Leach, Roller van der is a, is a magnificent cricketer, but he isn't much of a left-arm spinner. And Lewis Goldsworthy is inexperienced. So we haven't, we're not, you know, if we, without Leach, we go into that uh, game uh, Under-equipped in the in the spin department, particularly particularly compared with with Surrey. So, the the middle order, those young batsmen have got to stand up and really do it when it matters, uh, and not give their wickets away in the way that Tom Lallanby did and uh, and George Bartlett and Lewis Goldsworthy didn't play a great shot either. You know, it, it, they've they've got to show really what they're made of, and take their cue as um, as I think. Steve was saying, take their cue from Devon Conway, who I think is a very good role model for them in the in the sort of no nonsense way that he goes about it. He plays late and he plays straight, and on English pitches, that's what you've got to do. He's very very well organised, isn't he? He is absolutely. Anyway, I'd better go. So, see you, chaps, and hopefully, come Saturday morning, we'll have another victory to uh, to talk about. Absolutely. Oh, are we? Well, we're not going to do Saturday morning now. No, aren't we? Oh, right. No. Well, <laughs> I put, are we next? I put next week. Yeah, let's do. Let's do it after the Oval game, where we'll either be uh, 
Well, well in be... that case, we should have two more victories to talk about. Absolutely. That's what I like to hear. <laughs> Absolutely. Thanks, Anthony. Uh, we'll catch you. Uh, we'll catch you on the radio, and uh, we'll be uh, tweeting you. Uh, Friday night and all through uh, the game at the Oval. But uh, have a safe Incessantly trip. Uh, as we do, yeah. Absolutely. Have a safe trip around the South East and we'll, uh, we'll catch up with you next week. Cheers. 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 So it was an unexpected debut for Casey Aldridge midway through that game. I yeah. thought he bowled like a raw-ish 22-year-old would. He got the ball through, he bowled some good balls, and he bowled a few bad bad ones as well. Yeah, I mean, he did as well as he could on a on a pitch that was obviously not offering much for the bowlers. Um, he, you know, he bowled some balls which were too full, a few that were too short. You know, he didn't quite find that consistency, but, you know, he, he's young, and he's going to find that eventually. The, the good thing is, yeah, he bowled some really good deliveries, and he did look like getting wickets at times. Um and he's tall, he gets bounce, you know, he's got mm. a bit of pace. So, you know, he's he's an exciting player. And he can bat apparently as well. Um Yeah, he wasn't and he may be playing he may play tomorrow in the T twenty. Um he's in the squad and with Davy maybe missing the game, he might play that and he might play Ken at the Oval. So um yeah, hopefully then it hopefully have a bit more you know, it, this wasn't ideal circumstances no. for him to come in, you know, at the last minute. I mean he was in the squad originally, but you know, it was still you know last minute that morning. Oh, you got to come and play. Um, you know, and lead our bowling attack for a couple of days. You know, so hopefully he'll be he'll have learned from that, and now he can take that into tomorrow if he plays and and Sunday at the Oval. Yeah, He's watching him well. live, he wasn't far off Marchant's pace, was he? No, he was up there. Not. He was definitely up there. So, Steve, um. I was quite interested when your blog post pinged up on uh, on my phone a few hours after the uh, the uh, England side was decimated by COVID and they had to uh, pick that makeshift squad. Was that a case of uh, blogging haste, repentant leisure, or do you stand by your no, your no, 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 no? It as as ever, and as I said, and I was having a conversation with Anthony while he was commentating on, on Twitter and texts, etc. I, I write from the heart, and I I totally agree. I'm not going to have an argument with Dan. I totally agree about the primacy of the England side. I get all of that. My beef is with the ECB and the ridiculous scheduling. You know, they've they've basically crammed every international side they can think of and a couple more into this summer. I think, A, it's a dash for cash. B, I think there's a more Machiavellian reason, and they want to get as many overseas players in the country as possible so that they can bolster the numbers in that competition. And, you know, I, I give a, a footballing analogy. You're in late April. UEFA, FIFA would not schedule the World Cup to be played so that the Premier League were deprived of the top players in the run into the championship. Mm -hmm. That's my beef. I, I've got no problem with Craig and Lewis and Tom Abel, whoever else going to play for England. Absolutely not. I'm not... I am not a huge fan of England cricket, but that's another story. I'm some sort of cricket supporter, and yeah. But, you know, I, I'm really interested. I think most people who were negative about what I commented about were very much, that's how it works. It's England, it's the price you pay for success. I get that. My problem is, it's the stupidity. You've, you've finished a series with Sri Lanka, what was it, on Sunday, and straight away you're into another series. Yeah? And it's, 
It is. I'm, I'm really sorry, guys, but it is totally at best disrespectful to the county championship. We've seen it pushed to the margins of the season. We've seen it devalued already. And I know we can't go back to the good old days where the test was spread out through the summer and you had one day as at the end of the summer. I know we're not going to go back to that. Um, and I got this, the, Mike Unwin delighted in, in pointing out a tweet to me that somebody had written, which basically said, I was a stupid old fool of a blogger and should be locked up and thrown away the key and not allowed to ever talk about cricket again. So, so that charming person who said that about me on Twitter, yep, guilty as charged because the county championship is the thing for me. And I am not, I am not being a moaning Somerset supporter because Yorkshire and Surrey and other teams, if you look at the squad and the squad that are isolating, I think there's 34 cricketers. And interestingly, guys, Vic Marks, when he was commentating on the start of the ODI this afternoon, actually said, I really don't know why we've got a squad of 18. Mm -hmm. I really don't get it. Because, you know, Banton was called up as cover for someone who was cover for someone, basically. And, and, and I would have the same beef if it was any other county side. You know, if Don Bess had got called up when he's bowling Yorkshire to victory at Northampton, I'd have the same problem with it. It's it's just ridiculous to schedule so many international games, you know. And and there's a there's a bigger issue here for county cricket supporters that needs to be addressed. So I I agree with you to a certain degree. What what upset me about it was taking all these players out of games midway through a crucial round of championship games that could potentially. <laughs> determine where that trophy ends up at the end of September for a game which could possibly have been rescheduled it certainly wouldn't have been ideal but there were only I think 1900 to 2000 tickets sold at Sapphire Gardens because I mm. did put out a tweet and then I was very quickly corrected that the, the, uh, the rules in Wales for sports attendances are somewhat more restrictive than they are over the Seven Bridge here in England, so it wouldn't have been ideal. But putting two thousand people's plans arise not the same as putting twenty thousand people's plans um, out of kilter. If it would, you know, have been a full house at Lords or whatever. So I think my heart's with you, Steve. I would have certainly said, let's just cancel or postpone this first ODI finish these round of, this round of championship games then we'll take the players out and we'll possibly I don't know I mean they could have potentially played another one at law or mm, there doesn't really seem to be a day in there because as you say that schedule is so packed right up until the 21st of July for some reason and there doesn't seem to be any white ball cricket at international level until uh well, that's it for the summer. Mm -hmm. I think something happens on that day. I'm not sure what it is. But, mm. yeah, I mean, that's uh, that's the only thing I've really got to sort of say about it is that it just seemed to me to just absolutely punch a hole through the integrity of this this round of championship games. And, it, you know, it, it may have been different if Craig Overton was bowling at Leicester instead of Casey Aldridge. He's one of the best bowlers in the country. Maybe, you know, you say it's only one bowler, but that bowler could have been 200 runs difference if he'd have, you know, nipped a couple out. 
expose the tail and you never know we could have had a short uh, you know we could have we could have ended up winning that game um dan what are your thoughts um there's a few strands to this i think so the first is the international schedule is i think it's more crammed than it used to be because we used to not put international matches mm. so we, we used to put international matches in may we don't do that anymore because of the ipl we don't really want you know i clashes with the ipl and i know the new zealand test did slightly clash well the the original plan for the ipl the new zealand the first new zealand test did slightly clash a bit i think but generally internationals are they start a bit later and i think that means that the, the schedule gets compressed and it means that in this midsummer period now you know it's all the odis are together and the the, the current format of the county championship means that this you know this now is also a key period for the championship so that ends up clashing with the odis um it's meaning that it, the ecb could have you know you can you could they could have looked at the schedule and said oh actually this not have internationals at this time but there are a lot of moving parts to the schedule and i'm not sure i think those games had to happen around now and the good thing is there's no internationals that clash with the last couple of rounds of the of the championship in September, you know, the actual end of the championship. At least the, the last round doesn't clash with international, so that's a good thing. Um, oh, they'll probably schedule a... <laughs> they'll, they'll probably schedule an emergency... A, a tri-series. Yeah, an emergency with, tri-series uh, against Afghanistan. Ireland yeah. or something. Uh, yeah, the, and true. They'll call up Abel and Gregory and Overton <laughs> and Leach and Byram and Waller of and course, they Steve will. Snell and Tractor and everybody. Um, go back to... So, yeah, your question is, could they have rescheduled the first ODR? Maybe. Uh, uh, but the problem is, again, there are so many moving parts. Grounds have to plan. Yeah. The grounds are taken at other parts of the year. As it, There is the fans. I know it wasn't many fans, but you know there is the fans to think about. There's the Pakistan team to think about. Uh, again, it just comes out there's no, there's, there was no ideal solution. And ultimately, the England team comes first. And rightly so. These, you know, the the, the priority for ECB is going to be the England team. So they they said, well, there's there's not really a better option. We're going to have to harm the county championship. <laughs> and it is it, right. The ECB don't. I don't think the ECB do value the county championship as much as they should. But if this, if we had a domestic system, they preferred. I don't know. Say say the domestic system was eight franchise teams, or say this happens again during the 100 during the India tests they will do exactly the same thing I don't think it is mm-hmm. the ECB being anti-county championship I think it's just that they prioritise internationals over domestic cricket and they, they saw that that was the only option um, I mean I really wish it didn't happen it was you know it, it's not ideal at all um, but the, Dan, the commentator on today, the, I don't know the guys, the guys name. Apologies to him, but the Pakistan commentator was saying that it wasn't ideal scheduling either for Pakistan because their players had come straight out of the Pakistan Super League in Abu Dhabi, mm. and his words were, "And they spent a very wet week in Derby playing into squad games, and now they've come in, so they are as undercooked and underprepared for this as anyone." And it. I, I saw somewhere that these games actually count towards these qualifying points for the World Cup. Yeah. So they, you know, rather than go and the ICC and the ECB and, and 
Australian Cricket Board, etc., rather than go, right, we've had this thing called COVID. It has had quite an effect on the world. Let's have a rejig of how the qualifying works. They've gone, no, let's play every other day for the whole of the English summer. We'll get everybody into England and play every game so we catch up. That's the problem, you know. Yep. There is too much international cricket, and I think eventually the players are just going to say no, enough. You know, because mm-hmm. they're there. You're not seeing the quality product when Babar Azam has played 10 games in Abu Dhabi in three weeks and has now flown to Derby and is trying to play one day cricket. And I wouldn't have wanted to pay 50, yeah. 60, 70 quid to watch that today. <laughs> Two things. Um, remember, the PSL was rescheduled. So this this series was scheduled before the PSL. The PSL was obviously going to be March, but then they had to postpone yeah. the second half yeah, yeah. because of COVID. So you know, th- this series was their first. Um, so it's not like, you know, it's not like they were going to come in off, straight off that. Um, but yeah, I mean, a wet week in Derby is not ideal preparation for But therein lies the problem, series. Dan. The PSL was rescheduled. Yeah. But to hell with rescheduling uh, it so that the county championship isn't touched. That's that's exactly <laughs> the point I'm making. Yeah, but the yeah, but the PSL, the TCB aren't going to take into account the county championship when they But the ICC the should. <laughs> well, I don't. It's just not in the. I mean, it should, but it's just not in their remit. I don't think it's not in the the board. The boards themselves are responsible for their domestic competitions. They're not going to take them into account. I don't think. Um, just looking at the, the other the other point. Um, sorry, um, uh, there was another point I was going to make. Might have forgotten now. Um, well, I have a thing. I'm just yeah. going to say. I'm, yeah. The one. The one godsend of uh, being sat here doing this podcast is I do have my cricket of fixtures wall chart on the wall and looking at the international schedule it it's surprising how round it is without you really noticing mm. two mm. test matches at the start of June then the World Test Championship uh, then the T20s against Sri Lanka then the ODIs against Sri Lanka then these ODIs against Pakistan and then these ODIs against uh, Pakistan as well which um, buttresses then nice... T20s against Pakistan uh, yes well, I said that didn't I uh, yeah. Uh, yeah yeah yeah. we've got three ODIs and then th- uh, three T20s against Pakistan which buttresses nicely up to the start of the 100 where surprisingly there isn't any white ball international cricket uh, but then we do have the two test matches against, or two, the first two test matches against India at the start of uh, August. But that is almost six solid weeks of international cricket. It's, it's quite remarkable. I don't think I've ever well really seen that before. It's it's crazy. I remember the point I was going to make, and that was that the the amount of international cricket this year is no more than previous years. It's been it's, we've got seven tests and 12 limited overs internationals this year. Mm-hmm. It's been like that for as long as I remember, since, you know, at least 2009, we've had that amount of international cricket. I think, as you said, I, I think, as I said, it, it's to do that they're, they're more crammed together, but because we have to avoid May now because of the IPL. And I think we maybe don't, in fact, this year at least, we're not playing as late into September. The international summer finishes on the 14th of September, which I think is relatively early compared to previous years. So I think this, the schedule is just crammed this year. And the ECB have obviously made sure and I, I, you know, we all don't like that competition, but I don't blame them for it because they want it to be a success. They, they have made sure there is a small window at the start of the hundred for in, for England players to be available. So they're not going to you know, want to put international games there. And as I say I don't like that, but I don't blame them for doing that because you know that's the they want it to succeed, and that's their big thing in domestic cricket this summer. So 
Dan, it, they do want it to succeed, but they want it to succeed at the expense of county cricket. Well, <laughs> they... Slightly yeah. tongue-in-cheek, slightly tinfoil hat conspiracy, but it is all in on the 100 this year. It mm. is. It, yeah, if, it's, it's a, it's it's a weird last, one. The hell with the championship, the hell with the yeah. ball under the 100 has to succeed this year, which is yeah. why they've got all these... Uh, uh, these musicians playing at the uh, the games, which we've all, uh, which we all know and love. Some of our favourite artists are playing at the at the hundred. Steve, um, there's um, preaching to the unconverted. Yeah, well, uh, you know what's he called? Um, to ball, Mr. Shepherd. Oh, his name escapes me now. That you know that guy. He's like he's got loads of hit records out. Um, he's your favourite artist. He's, you oh yeah, he, he does like the Grimes or something. Is it Grime or Dubstep? I don't know. We should have got Anthony on. Anthony is the Anthony is a world-renowned authority on grime House and, and garage dubstep. music. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. We should just get the Wurzels to play in the interval of every single look, Royal Hunting game, I, and we'll be uh, we'll be happy with that. Yeah. Why do we do this? Because we're passionate Somerset fans. Yes, we want England players, Somerset players, to succeed, and it's you know the more players from our county that play for Somerset, the more opportunities are for Will Smith and Casey Aldridge to come through. I get all of that. I just, I, we, we, I think probably us in Yorkshire supporters treat the county championship in a reverence that a lot of other counties don't, and it just hurts. And I just feel, and I, I stand, and to answer your, go back to your original questioning, I stand by what I said. Um, I'm happy to be accused of being an old git who doesn't, you know, is not moving with the times or something. It's all, cricket is a game of tradition, and the county championship has been going since the 1870s that must count for something and you know it and, and i think it brings i'd just like to jump in here and say i think i'm sure we're going to talk about this in the coming weeks there's only a couple of weeks before we start our one day cup competition at taunton and i would like nothing more than to see taunton rammed for derby and glamorgan those first couple of home games and the sky cameras having to focus on one block where there was a few fans at cardiff for the first welsh fire game because that will deliver the strongest message you know so any somerset supporters and we're all going to try and get to as many of those games as we can i'm even trying to slip a treat cheeky trip to northampton into my oh. my manic schedule but is there such you know, a thing that, a cheeky trip to northampton i've never been i've never been to that ground so there's an i think it's a weekend game and around work and holidays and things but you I'm know it's, it's not i think really... it would be a great way it would be a great way in for us to say as Somerset supporters, we support Somerset. You know, we're not. We've all talked about the logistics of driving over the the bridge to get to that game. Get to Taunton as a day-night game in the Wednesday. There's, you know, and we can all. We, I, I just want Somerset fans to show that we want to see Hildy and Steve Davis and Casey Aldridge and James Ruin or whoever's in. An old dead Leonard. Yeah, I left that one for you, and and I'm sure both of you wholeheartedly agree with that absolutely because that's that would that would send a hugely powerful message you know and the club are in a really difficult position because that's their paymasters competition it's uh, and it's re it's a real conundrum i think we people like ourselves who do thankfully people do take notice good and bad of what we say you know i think we've got a role to play here in supporting the club and let making them feel that we really do support them as, in numbers as much as we can. It's just a shame that one of our Royal London fixtures doesn't directly clash with the Welsh fire fixture, so we could have a proper like-for-like -like 
comparison <laughs> on the attendance. Uh, I think it's I think it's the their first home game is the Tuesday before we play Glamorgan at Taunton on the Wednesday, and so uh, I think that's right. Yes, you're right. Yeah, they play Welsh F against South B. And then Somerset, uh, that's on the I much prefer 27th. your team names, Ian. I much prefer the, the Pom Bears and the Hula Hoops <laughs> and the Monster Munches. It's much happier. I like that. Did you also like my use of the word kidnapped as well? I thought that was... <laughs> <laughs> right, let's go and talk about proper cricket now. Um, the proper cricket that starts on Sunday. By my reckoning, in a perfect world Jack Leach Josh Davey and Tom Abel are all fit ready and raring to go and that makes my side Davis Conway Abel Hildreth Bartlett Goldsworthy I'm going to stick Will Smead in at 7 and then Marchant uh, the Headbound Warrior Josh Davey and Jack Leach at 11 possibly roll off sneaking in if we need two spinners if I said to you yeah. you can only have two of those uh those three players available out of uh, Leach, Davey and Abel, who would you have? I'd have... Oh, that is tough. <laughs> that Definitely is really Abel. Tough. Definitely Def the I think... skipper. Definitely the skipper. Yeah, agreed. Leach or Davey, though? I mean, it, it all... It's it a bit Obson's choice, isn't it? It's probably, it's, it's, it's probably a little bit unfair. Child, it, Ian. Yeah, it's, it's asking you which is the favourite kid. It's really difficult. I'm... Yeah, I think we I think we might want Leach and Roloff for this game, and I think Roloff mm. might get in for his batting. He's got three yeah. consecutive county championship fifties now, and I know that that stats. God knows how. <laughs> well, yeah, one of them was in the end of twenty nineteen, so that that ignores the problem. He's, he's but, uh, definitely not got the stat. technique for for red ball cricket, but he's got a method. I think yeah. that's fair to say. He's got a method, not a technique. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, the thing is, if he plays, it'll be at seven. And I just wonder. I prefer him at eight or nine. I think there's a bit less pressure on him yeah. then. I think he's. Yeah. I think yeah. seven's a bit high responsibility-wise. Um, I mean, yeah, it's interesting. With Jack, with Jack, I, I think it's about I, my thought, and I hate saying it, that Josh Davy might be the one I leave out, but I'm only saying that because actually I thought the Jack Brooks that bowled was the Jack Brooks that played for Yorkshire when they won the championships. Mm. I thought he was absolutely immense. That was a stunning performance. Yeah. You know, Anthony was saying about how many times Swindles played and missed. I think he played and missed about five times and over for a spell against mm -hmm. Jack Brooks. You know, this was. Yeah, you know, I, I had a little thought in my head that I wish Craig Overton had bowled a couple of those overs because I think his head would have exploded because Brooks mm -hmm. he looked like he was he was about to explode at times. So. You know, would you risk if there is a slight doubt about Josh Davey and you play him and he breaks down? It's difficult, oh, it's... isn't it? I mean, I would imagine yeah. you'd have to give him several scans to sort of make sure that the fracture was healing or or had healed. I would imagine him not being in the T Twenty squad means he's probably going to bowl a number of overs at Taunton tomorrow in a, what what they call in the states a simulated game almost. Mm. You know, he gets a couple of the second eleven batsmen in the middle probably with. You know, he goes and sits down for four or five, three or four minutes, four or five minutes after bowling and over, or goes and stands on the boundary, mm. and then so he gets, we get a feeling for six to seven overs as to whether he can do it. I suspect that's what they're going to do with him. Jack Leach, I think, should be available because the protocols, I think, should be okay. And I'm, I'm, yeah, you could take the positive or the negative, couldn't you? Because Gibbo said that Tom Abel was sprinting 
in the pre-match, pre-game mm-hmm. at the weekend, then he's not in the Hampshire side. Well, maybe that is because they're thinking, do you know what, we're not going to risk him in a T20 just coming back from hamstring injury, which to me makes perfect sense. Yeah. With a hamstring so injury... So I'm going to go, if you pin me down, I'm going to go Leach and Abel. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Do yeah. we... I mean, would he be able to bowl? Would you risk him if he was coming off a hamstring injury? <laughs> yeah, because the interesting thing is, if Abel doesn't bowl, we may have to play Lamanby and... I mean, they probably will, but I'm not sure I would. But I mean, if Abel's not fit, I would. You'd be almost forced to play Lamb and Beers, yeah. I think. Um, and I actually thought Lewis Goldsworthy shaped quite well when he bowled. I, you know, is uh, he certainly can bowl in two modes? Whereas Roloff basically has got his, you know, greatest cricketer in the world, but he does bowl his darts, doesn't he? Whereas. Yeah. You saw Goldsworthy bowling with nice loop and flight and everything, and I thought, oh yeah, that mm. I can see him settling down and bowling nice long spells in the future on on flat track. So, I, I was surprised when they said it was his first bowling, so, first yeah. class cricket, because I, I, I mean, I hadn't really yeah. noticed, but I just assumed that he'd had a he'd had a few overs in in the previous games that he played in, and just here and there. But mm-hmm. it, it is surprising that it's taken him to sort of what his fifth or sixth game to have a go with the ball. <laughs> right, should we pop over to Twitter notifications for some listeners' questions then? Right, where are we? Do the kidnapping of Captain Overton mid-championship game discuss from uh, Lord Lupin. I think we've uh, <laughs> we've uh, had a good old chat on that one. Uh, Robert Blackwell, we need a minimum of six points. That's five. Uh, to uh, from the game at the Oval next week to be sure of qualification. Is there a realistic scenario where Gloucester and Hampshire can draw and both score 16 points? Not really. Um, that That's a weird one, isn't it? Because that means both teams get 400 within 110 overs mm. and also, you know, lose the, you know, get bowled out. You know, uh, You'll be 400 for nine, haven't you, at the end yeah, of 110 exactly. overs? It's... It's yeah. quite rare for that to happen, I think. Um, so, but I mean, I, you I, could I find that out for next week, Dan. Did you find out the stat challenge? Oh no! What was that? It was well. <laughs> Devon Conway uh, was out for eighty-eight. Eighty-eight in his oh, first innings for Somerset, number. and his shirt number is eighty-eight as well. So, oh, I, that, was, that's an impossible question. Sorry, <laughs> I was never. We set down the challenge that. of finding out if that had ever happened before. Oh, too difficult. Oh. <laughs> down tools thrown his hands up in the air and admitted defeat. it would have taken it would take literally days and days of, mm. of scouring scorecards and, and wikipedia oh. pages for <laughs> shirt numbers and stuff i was interestingly guys i was actually thinking back to back in the glory years if there had been squad numbers and what squad numbers the, the that somerset side would have had and, <laughs> and as i worked through it two things came to mind one I can't imagine many of them would have had other than their batting order number. Hmm, I can't, yeah. uh, you know, Rose would have been one and Denning would have been two and I think Viv would have been three. There's a certain England all-rounder who'd have probably been 237 or whatever it was. Mm-hmm. But it would have made Joel Garner the big number nine, which I just love the thought of. <laughs> I just, you know, can you, you've, you know, Colin Dredge would have been 10 or 11 probably and Derek Taylor would have been 10 and I just they just all seem to fit in those days this, those numbers but I just you know it's a different era isn't it but I just mm. love to have 
thought you've gone to gone to Vic Martz and said what would you like your squad number being and he'd have come back with <laughs> 37 and there would have been a reason for it because clearly there's a reason for these numbers that we don't always know about so that might be yeah. that might be fun to try and find out in due course I'm sure Ben Warren can help us with that I'd love to know that yeah the Josh Davies 38 you know um, really goals will be 44 what are they for well a guy from our club um, Chris Betters got a contract with Warwickshire about 10 years ago and he had squad number 35 hmm. uh, and I asked him about it uh, I said uh, Mets why would you be 35 I go, don't know hmm. <laughs> <laughs> just no, no idea at all so just random totally random number so um, yeah I mean well Craig Overton jumped into Pete Trigo's number 7 didn't he Um hmm at the start of last year so that's got some significance mm. obviously 88 is probably that's because he know. wanted to bat at 7 Ian oh ok Conway's <laughs> 88 did he get together with two rather generously proportioned ladies on a night out and that's why he's got the 88 I don't know um, who else have we got what's uh, Rolos 52 this is Lewis this is 24. Is, yeah, this is some thrilling listening right now. That's <laughs> just naming some. But if, any, if anyone listening knows any of the reasons for squad numbers, please let us know because I'm really, I'm really intrigued. Because what would your squad number be, Ian? My, mine is mine's 23. For the... I have got, I've got my 23, right? 23 shirt. Not Dan? Oh, I'm on the spot. I mean, my immediate instinct is seven, but I, 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 that's, I'm not committing to that. I've not really thought about it before. I'll see if Richard Bryce can knock yeah. us up some more. Look I'd on the bright go... side of life uh, official shirts. Oh yeah. <laughs> well, can I just can I just jump in? I've got this idea, and I, again, I'd really like Somerset fans to come back. I think, and I've, I've not spoken to Richard, so he's going to even message me and hate me for throwing this. I think for next season, what would be great um, is that if there were T-shirts in Somerset colours. But with the squad number and name on the back, so you could buy a black or maroon Tom Abel twenty four t shirt. Because I think mm. I I just and they do it, and I'm going to say, oh god, here he goes about baseball again. But it's a big seller in baseball. I've got I've, loads I've... of t shirts from games I've been to, and I think it would be really good. And I think you know a lot of people don't necessarily want to wear the shirts as we do quite often, and you and I. And I, I quite like to see Dan wearing. Well, I don't want to wear Somerset shirts. <laughs> Come on, Steve. You must have seen me. I said I've a lot. Got, of, I've got a the lot set now from my trade agent wearing the one-day shirt or whatever. Hmm. I'm sure they'll print the. Uh, they'll print them on. I'm. I'm sure they print the names and numbers on the backs of shirts if you want. Twelve okay. weeks for ties as well. I popped in the shop this week and asked, uh, inquired about ties. Twelve weeks uh, for ties. If anybody's wondering why they're not in the shop, the designers has to be approved by the uh, the powers that be. We were doing listeners' questions, weren't we? Before we got, uh, oh, what, what would your, uh, what was your squad number, Steve? You'd never said twenty six. Twenty six. Um, that was the that was the house number in Stoke Road that I was brought up with, and it's a, a flip of my birth year, so it seems to fit quite well. Nice. Um, what are we giving Anthony Gibson? Is there any numbers? One there? Gibson. One. Brilliant. I might go on to Richard and get some shirts done then. Or maybe not. Uh, oh, Robert goes on. What's the best we can hope for in the situation of player avail availability for our match at the Oval? Will the ECB keep in mind that the last round of county championship matches 
have such a huge part to play in the outcome of the championship. I think we can answer that one as a big fat no, <laughs> Robert. Um, yeah, I think we've done that. Um, if we had uh, Jack Leach, Josh Davy, and Tom Abel all available for um, for selection at the Oval, that would be fantastic. The final Pakistan ODI is on the Tuesday, so I can't really see them releasing no. anybody from the squad no. before that. No, no. Um, so we'll be going with what we got plus those three touch wood um, did you see that there's one more available. bit of Robert's there's one more bit of Robert's first question if if the 16 point draw was seen to be engineered would the ECB step in and dock points it's quite an interesting scenario mm. I've never known teams I've never known teams contrive a draw they contrive mm. a result but I've never yeah. known a contrivance of a draw but I think the answer to that is that they at the start of the match both teams don't necessarily know they, a draw will be enough because they need to wait to see how we do in mm. our match. Yeah. So, if if mm. if you know after a couple of days, if you know we might be doing really badly and they might think, oh yeah, we could now contrive a draw. But even then, it's like it, if it's too obvious, I think yeah, it will be. be you know, need... we bring in the game is disrepute, and they. I just seriously doubt that they. You need risk to get that four hundred for that magic four hundred for nine in, in yeah. hundred and ten overs. Mm. Yeah, it's I not think. a Yorkshire Middlesex at Lords in twenty fifteen yeah. scenario. Sixteen scenario, is it? No, I, I don't think we need to be worried about it. Which means in a week's time we'll be discussing how many <laughs> we'll things have happened. Yeah. Oh dear. Right. Uh, did a little uh, moving on then. Oh, Robert goes on part three of Robert's question. I watched much of yesterday's cricket from Hampshire. We did as well. Robert, what a what a performance from Hashim Amla. Um, currently watching the live stream from Cheltenham cheering Middlesex on. A win from Middlesex would suit me fine, even a draw. Yeah, I did watch it. They yeah, they were getting there and then they just had that mini collapse after tea, didn't they? Middlesex, yeah, yeah. I know. It's classic Middlesex. They're, they have a they have an incredibly collapsible batting lineup and you know, more much more so than us. Um they they you know, Eskenazi and Daryl Mitchell batted really well for them they 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 got through half the day then Eskenazi was out that T um Robbie White was still there with Mitchell they were doing okay but then yeah that was just once one went once Mitchell went that was it they just totally fell like a pack of cards which is a massive shame I really thought yeah. they might pull that off it was nice to see them though remember that county championship games are four days long and actually remember to put in a performance on the on the final day which they don't yeah. seem to have ever done uh, this season so far do, 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 do. Uh, how could the weather intervene rain forecast Sunday, Monday, Tuesday if we lose could Gloss Hampshire contrive a draw to keep us out this is just a conspiracy theory that one's from Pete Arthur at Cleve comment uh, yeah I think we just covered that there didn't we we're kind of answering the questions before the questions come up it's like <laughs> we've all kind of read these and they're drilled into our subconscious and we're just answering them uh, before we start reading them out, questions this week. Uh, a couple from Chris Payne. I think we've covered those about keeping the squad in cotton wool for Sunday. Uh, then me and Dan talking about Ultra Edge in the ODI. Fantastic stuff, guys. Uh, any other business? Western Storm. Oh, yes, Western Storm. I might be going Saturday. Our game, oh, good. Yeah. Our games, our games are cancelled. We're uh, we're COVID bound down at South Devon, so uh, uh, I'm not a close contact. Thank goodness. So That's I'm uh, I'm able to be uh, 
uh, to be out and about. So yeah, might pop up with the family to watch Western Storm on Saturday afternoon. Good and stuff. they are playing the Northern Diamonds. Yeah. Um, yeah, it should be an interesting game. So all the teams in that group have now won one game each. So they've all played two yeah. games. They won one each. Storm lost their first game, Taunton, uh, to Sunrisers. That was Sunrisers' first ever win in anything. So it's a bit disappointing. Um, but they came back well uh, at Chester against Northwest Thunder. Thunder only scored 110 for eight. Uh, and then Storm's innings was reduced. So they only needed 33 or five overs. Um, and then in the first over after the restart, Fee Morris hit 19 off eight balls. Well, well actually, she hit four fours in the over. In the end, she was out for 19 off eight balls. But that that broke the back of the run chase and um, they got home with a bonus point. So they currently topped the group. Um, so yeah, Saturday's game is the last Western Storm game at Taunton this season. So um, hopefully people will go along. Um, and yeah, then there's three more games in this tournament after the 100. So that's in late August, September. And there's also three more, is it three? Yeah, three more Hale Flint Trophy games um as well in september hopefully um i mean storm are pretty much out of the of flint but if they win you know three three or four out of the no if they win about three of their remaining four charlotte Evers cup games maybe two of them they could they that they should progress to the final well finals day as a it's basically the three teams from the eight go to the finals day in september um so yeah all to play for on saturday Bit disappointing that um, none of the England squads are available in the Charlotte Edwards Trophy because no, it re- I yeah. think it does matter a lot more in women's cricket to get the the international stars playing in the in the domestic game. A yeah, to keep the standard high and B for there yeah. to be some recognisable names to to get people to go along and watch. Well, there will be recognisable names and a high standard in the hundreds. That's that's what needs to be a prioritised. They've mm. um, They've made sure no international women's cricket clashes with the hundreds, so that'll all be high high quality with all the overseas names. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, I mean, uh, there are occasional, you know, the first few rounds of Hale Flint had England players, and you know, Danny Wyatt's still been playing for Southern Vipers because she's not been picked for England until now. But this weekend, so Wyatt's in the England squad, but Lauren Winfield Hill is not with the England squad now, so she's going to be at Taunton this weekend, which she should be playing for um, mm-hmm. Northern Diamonds. So there are still a few sort of a few stars around. Um, but yeah, unfortunately, the, the Charlotte Edwards Cup and the Harry Flint Trophy are third priority behind uh, the hundred and uh, international cricket, which is a shame. And I think the ECB don't really realise that they should be promote. I, mean, I understand they promote the hundred, and that's their big thing. But for a lot of people, Western Storm games and you know the Harry Flint Charlotte Edwards games will be the only women's domestic cricket that's near them. You know, hmm. the hundred is limited to seven cities. The KSL, sorry, the Hereford and Charlotte Edwards Cup games are more, much more spread. So games at Taunton, at Derby, at Leicester, at Canterbury, you know, the grounds that miss out on the hundreds. But the ECB don't really advertise it very much. And I think that's something that needs to improve. And I think they need to make clear to cricket fans and particularly young girls who, you know, might be getting into cricket that the hundred is not the only yeah. women's cricket that they can go and see. There is other women's cricket, you know. They shouldn't be saying... You know, they shouldn't be putting all this focus on the hundred, which is only one month long. Like, what about the rest of the summer? There's there's cricket they can go and see the rest of the summer. I mean, I get there's England games, obviously, but you know, they're you know, there's only a few of them, and they're dot, dotted out. Whereas, you know, Charlotte Edwards Cup and Harry Flint games are, you know, there's there's lots, lots, a lot more of them. 
And we so, need to get you, you on know, just a minute to talk about women's cricket, Dan, without hesitation, repetition, <laughs> repetition, and what's the other one? Deviation. <laughs> you could probably do just an hour. Um, yeah. I do agree, though. The, the KSL was really gaining momentum in. It was building year on year on year on year um, yeah. until it was sort of cancelled this year for, for the 100. And there was that press conference yeah. at Lords today. I, di- I didn't watch it. I just saw the the Twitter highlights being sort of snipped through that the 100 is the great greatest thing since sliced bread for, for women's cricket. And again, for a lot of the reasons yeah. that you've just said about it, it's going to be. Um, Stuck in these seven in in the seven major cities. Oh, we've got the double yeah. headers. Well, we had double headers with the with the blast for for every single this, year of the KSL. I think maybe not. The yeah, first. there are a few so. things that they, that there's a few things that seem to be being claimed are new to the hundred, such as all oh, big overseas stars of the hundred. And I'm like, hang on, there there were lots of big overseas stars in the KSL. In fact, yeah, the KSL we had was three of the best players quality. in the world playing for Western Storm yeah. last year: Priest, Mandana, yeah. and um, Taylor. Smith. Yeah, exactly. And whereas the hundred this year has actually been hit by a lot of withdrawals. I know that would have happened if it was the KSL. It's because of COVID and stuff. But there's a lot of things that the hundred is claiming to be new, but it's not that new. But I mean, ultimately, the women's hundred in isolation, I don't really object to that much compared to the men's hundreds. You know, it's, it's ultimately that, and the whole hundred brand as a whole is just to me so toxic that I will find it difficult to get behind the women's hundreds. I probably, I don't know. I really don't know what I'm going to do in terms of my policy on that. In terms of watching games, it's, it's almost it's almost a paradox, really, because the KSL was gaining momentum and it was doing a really good job in, yeah. in promoting mm-hmm. women's cricket. And you had obviously Western Storm representing Wales and 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 the South West and and being very well supported at Taunton. Taking that away or taking the emphasis away from that to put it on. The Welsh fire is a. I don't think that's very good. And b, if the hundred is about getting people to watch cricket, I don't know if this is going to sound sexist or not, but that's going to be uh, watching the men's game is going to be a lot more explosive and headline grabbing than than the women's hundred. Which I don't know whether they're doing it a disservice by having all the games or most of the games as double headers because you're almost saying that yeah. The women's games are the, it's like the support act. Yeah, concert, the support act. And yeah. The man's game yeah. is the main event. Whereas, exactly, I know they had the blast double headers, but they also had the the KSL games standing alone, which were yeah. well attended pretty much across the country. They had their own finals yeah. day. Is women's hundred? Yeah, women, the women's hundred hasn't got its own finals day. It's it's tucked in with the men. So, I know they they're crapping on about the same prize money. It isn't the same pay. They're no, not, nowhere near. You no, know, yeah, I think it's the highest paid women's a, is still below the lowest paid men's player. Correct. Yeah, there's a lot of things that are not equal about the, the women's hundred, and I guess I know. I suppose it would be. You know, we're probably there are a lot of things which probably weren't possible straight away, and hopefully it will be equal pay eventually. But for me, yeah, what you said about the scheduling this year, every uh, except for the opening games, which are on separate days, the opening game of the women's hundred, the opening game of the men's hundred are on separate days. Everything else, the women's game is before the men's game, and it. I know they won't say that it's a curtain raiser to the men's, and I don't think you know women's cricket these days is a lot more explosive than it used to be, particularly when you've got the overseas and the England players playing. Um, but it's clear to me that you know every men's game is on prime time, six thirty in the evening mm. every single time, pretty much. I think some weekend games are slightly earlier, whereas all the women's games 
are going to start at three o'clock. Yeah, at, le- at least the weekday the games. Yeah, these are not prime time games. These are not. Yeah. You know, I know kids will be off school, but it's quite clear what the priority is. You know, it's it, the men's is the priority, just as and much he- as these might claim that it's. You know, equal and everything. And even if they weren't on TV with the live stream, you can guarantee that every game would be live streamed during a prime time slot of a of a weekday yeah. afternoon or a Saturday afternoon or a Saturday evening. So putting them on before the men's games on a weekday is probably the worst thing that you can do for them. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, it's it's interesting to see how it pans out. But you know, it's interesting. The big bash has specifically gone away from playing the women's and men's together. The women's is now completely separate. So maybe the Women's hundred will do that eventually, um, but um, yeah, it's what they've gone for this year, and I worry that they're going to keep it that way. They weren't going to originally. The women's hundred was going to be more spread around than men's. Um, that was the plan last year. There was going to be a game at Taunton, um, but I'm worried now that actually, you know, they've said, oh, because of COVID this year, we're putting all the games together. I feel like they might keep it like that um, in the future, which would be a shame. Well, yeah, it would be a shame. It would be a shame. I mean, I know I don't really care about the hundred, but. You know, for for all the fan, the Western Storm fans who are inspired by the KSL, to then be told, all right, now the only cricket you can go and see is Sean of England players and overseas players. You know, it's it's a shame, shame for them. Yeah, because we've had Western Storm down at South Devon because our sponsors, Wallens, are the same sponsors of ah, Western yes. Storm. So uh, we had them down at South Devon to play. Uh, they played Somerset in a in a game a couple of years ago. Um, benefit uh, Marcus's benefit, and then. Uh, uh, when we did an evening with Marcus for Children's Hospice, the Western Storm uh, girls came along um, for the evening. They didn't get that drunk. Uh, they were sort of in their pre-season. But, um, I mean, there was a continuity among that franchise that didn't seem to be there among other franchises. And they built that core of players, you know, Heather Knight, Sophie Luff, Anya Shrubsole, Trevor Griffin is the coach for all those initial four years of the Super League, and they, uh, you know, players like Daniel Gibson, um, oh, the Fred Oscar, Davis, Fred Davis, also Welsh offspinner called uh, just had a uh, Claire Nicholas. Claire yep, Nicholas. So years, you know, that yeah. core of players and a continuity going through. So they, it it wasn't this mercenary like franchise brand there. They they were building a proper ethos there, yeah, um, and a and a proper side. So yeah. And that's not going to happen with a hundred mercenaries and, and franchise. Well, I think proper franchise of mercenaries. Yeah. who will go into the highest bidder. Thing is, I think the women probably will. There probably will be more continuity. I'd have thought. Um, you know, remember, remember, they're not trusting the women with a proper draft. They're, you know, the, the men oh, have right. got a draft. <laughs> they're not trusting the women with that for some reason. Yeah, you know, the women go. There's probably a good, maybe there's a good reason. I don't know, but yeah. Cool. We've done seventy-five minutes again. <laughs> I feel like we need to split this up like the Avengers uh, Endgame films or that last Harry Potter film just to make it a bit more digestible. But <laughs> if unless we've got anything uh, anything more urgent, should we knock that on the head for this week? Mm-hmm. Good oh, yeah. stuff, guys. Good stuff. Right, uh, thanks to Dan and Steve then and uh, Anthony. I'm not sure where Anthony's gone. Probably to Eli's or to have a, have a little rest before his busy uh, trip around the southeast. Uh but yeah, if you want to give us a follow on Twitter, we're at Somerset Podcast. Uh, drop us an email, the Somerset Podcast at gmail.com. And uh, we're on facebook.com slash Somerset Podcast. Uh, will one of you guys be able to tweet the link out, uh, to put the link on Facebook for me on the Somerset group? I'm on a 24 hour Facebook uh, ban for, <laughs> well, because I replied to, there was a video that Devon Live put up of uh, um, 
England football fans celebrating the win in uh, in Torquay last night by uh, wandering around the road and harassing cars. And I put, I'd run the f- morons over, and that got me. A, apparently, that's incitement to violence, and I've got a twenty-four-hour Facebook ban for doing <laughs> that. So, if one of you would be good enough to put the link up when, yeah. it, when it's yeah, done I'll on do the uh, Somerset group, that would be great. Uh, but for I'd say for Dan, Steve, and Anthony, uh, we'll catch you all in about a week's time. Come on, Somerset! Let's the peasants revolt for a second time this season. Cheers, guys. Thanks, guys. <laughs>